I'm excited to be here, but I tell you, <clears throat> usually I, I look at the songs that are gonna, they're going to sing every sun, Sunday, so I'm not, nothing catches me off guard, you know? Well, I didn't do it this week. You know what always catches me off guard is the love of my God. You start singing songs about reckless love, but he chases me down. He fights till I'm found. He leaves the 99. Let me tell you something. If you have never been the one, you don't appreciate that song. And whether you want to admit it or not, all of us in this room are the one. We stray from God. And he fights for you. He loves you so much. Man, that is amazing to me. I used to get upset when people say I'm a, I was a sissy because I cried. You know what? Call me a sissy for Jesus if you want to. But let me tell you, I can't control it. Amen? Amen. God's too good. And he's too good for, for us not to praise him. So before we go any further, let's give God a hand clap of praise. Amen? Let's give him some praise. Amen. Amen. If, if God's done anything in your life worthy to praise, let me hear you say amen. amen. How about praise Jesus? Praise Jesus. Glory to, Glory to God. Some of y'all are very uncomfortable right now. <laughs> but that's what it means to praise God. He's too good for us not to talk about. He's too good for us not to shout about. We come to church in this holy reverence and it's like, it's, it, 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 it kills me. Because when I get to heaven, I, it's not going to be quiet. Some of you, when you get to heaven, it's going to be the first time you ever shouted. Yeah, I made it. Woo, glory to God. That's how a lot of people are going to be. Man, he's too good, church. He's too good. He's too good. And I'm excited also because, man, today is the last day that we'll be in this school. And we're moving to the new school. And so y'all keep your Facebook and keep looking on social media. We'll be making announcements. But, man, we're, we're making that transition, and it's awesome. We as a church are making our next step. Who knows where God's going to lead us from here but all I'm, all I'm worried about is right now. Amen? Amen? So we're making that next step. I encourage you to invite your friends, invite your family. Y'all come and let's, let's just don't make this a, a one Sunday thing. Let's keep being the church God's called us to be. To be the light that God's called us to be. You know, and as, as we make this transition, I'm excited to see what God's going to do. But God's really been showing me, Jeremy, you need to be faithful right where you are. How many of us have been faithful right where we are? You know, talking about faithfulness and talking about all these things, one thing that I heard a, a conversation a while back about a guy, he said, he talked about some, he's talking about the youth. He was talking about some kids in high school. And he said, you know what? Kids are going to be kids. It's inevitable that when they get 16, they're going to walk away from God. But they'll come back when they get married. And I like to tell you, that made me mad because that ain't got to be. That ain't got to be. And the reason that it's that way now is because we as God's people have just been too lazy to invest in our young people. And so that's what we're fixing to start doing. This Wednesday, is we're kicking off. It's time for y'all to get back into, in, into the routine of things. And we're kicking back off our student ministry with a new purpose and a new direction. And I challenge you to come. Kids, y'all bring your friends. It, it, it isn't right for us to think that they, they're just secondary. We need to invest in the next generation if we expect them to, to do anything. And it's, it's my privilege and my, my honor. to. I want to partner with you as your pastor to help let's lead these kids let them be disciple makers right there in sixth grade. Don't wait till they're 25 years old. Let's, let's, let's teach them what it means to be bold men and women of God in prayer in 12th grade, not when they get in college. Let's make them mighty men and women of God now and not wait until later. And that's what the ministry is focused on now. That's what we're headed, that's the direction we're headed in. And it's so cool because I sat down with all the ministry leaders last two weeks ago and I told them my heart and all of them was like, that's what God's telling me. That's what God's telling me. That's what God's telling me. So y'all, with that being said, some of y'all need to stop saying, I think I heard from God and step up and do what God's telling you to do and help with these kids and help minister these kids. Some of you, people are scared to death that they come and I'm going to make them preach. No, I'm not going to make you preach. Just, just Mason. But 
And, and so that's what we're doing. Um, and, and so that's, that's some where we're headed. And the next thing is that the no, another thing I'm excited about is August 22nd is the Wednesday night. All, right, all, all connect groups are counseling. And if you still have a connect group that week, you're being rebellious. But we're counseling that week. And we're all going to the Pal Theater, August 22nd. Every person is in connect group. We're going to be there. Time for us to fellowship, us to have fun, serving God together. Have, have, a, have a time of worship like this right here. We might sing 20 songs. Who knows? The Holy Spirit shows up. We might be there till Thursday. I don't know. But we're going to be there. We're going to sing. and We're going to praise God. We're going to, we're going to spend time. I'm going to share what God's been laying on my heart. But also, we're going to have a time of prayer. And pray that God will move and God will use us in a mighty way. I really honestly feel like God's been sifting a lot of our people. Not God, but Satan, I'm sorry. Satan's been sifting a lot of our people. People are distracted. People are falling away. And the only way we're going to get ground back is on our knees. And so I'm calling all of you in this room. If, you, if you're in a connect group, if you, if you just want to come, come. Let's be and have a time of prayer, fellowship, and worship. Amen. Write it down, August 22nd. Turn your Bibles to Acts 20. I'm going to pray. Father, we come to you right now just excited for who you are, excited for what you're doing. And God, I thank you, Lord, for loving us enough, Lord, not to leave us where we are. I thank you, God, for being a God that, Lord, you say that if we remain in you, that you will do the work. God, I thank you for being a God that loves us in spite of ourselves. And I thank you, Lord, for being a God the new we couldn't do it on our own. So you sent your Holy Spirit here to dwell in us so that we would have an advocate to be able to, to, to overcome the wiles and the schemes of the devil. So, Father, this morning I ask you, Holy Spirit, come in a powerful way. Make us more aware of your presence. And we ask you to touch us today. Lord, be with Michael and Savannah, Lord, as they are home with the new babies. God, pray, Father, for them. God, we lift them up to you. Lord, I pray that you would give them rest, give them community. Give them family around them that love them and support them through this. God, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Michael and Savannah, are our, he's our campus pastor in Pooler, and they just had twins. And Michael texted me therefore yesterday. I said, what can I pray for you for? He said, sleep. <laughs> so I'll be praying for Michael and them. So Acts chapter 20, um, we're going we're gonna to be in verse right around 22. But before we get to verse 22... You can't talk about Acts. You can't talk about Paul. And we talked about his conversion a couple weeks ago. But, see, you can't focus on what Paul did until you realize who Paul was, right? And we talked about his conversion the other day, but that's, that's kind of where it starts at for all of us, at conversion. That, that, that desire, that, that passion, all that stuff dwells up from conversion, See, a lot of us aren't passionate about Jesus because we forgot who we once were. If you go back to who you once were and remember what he saved you from, you'll find your shout. You'll find your praise because that's what happens. We get too prideful and too haughty and we start forgetting who we were and what God brought us out of. See, Paul was a man that was used dramatically by God in a powerful way, but he always remembered where he came from. He was very zealous for the Lord. His conversion, he was, he was going in the opposite direction, remember? He was religious but not saved. He was, he was following what he thought was right until he met Jesus on the road to Damascus and he, and he was blinded by his presence. And when he met Jesus, everything changed, Right? He took him, the people that was with him took him to a house on Straight Street with a man named Ananias. And Ananias was commanded by God, was, was led by God, led by the Spirit to go and lay hands upon him. So he goes and, he lay, and Ananias goes and lays hands upon Paul. And the scales fall off, falls off his eyes. He regains his sight. And this is, he ate. He ate. He, he, it took a few days to, to replenish his strength. Then it said immediately he began, began to preach. Immediately in his soul, there was a hunger and a passion to tell his brothers and sisters that was blinded by religion about the reality of who Jesus was. 
It was instantaneous. See, when you forget who you are, you don't have any drive, you don't have any purpose, and you don't have any passion. And Paul was a man who was radically changed. His whole mindset was changed. See, that's what Satan has the stronghold in so many of our lives. It's our mindset. The way we think, we're still thinking like the old man instead of the new man. He says, be created in a newness and a likeness of Christ, right? Be created new. Don't hold on to the old. Don't hold on to the old feelings, the old hurt, the old things. You need to be letting God renew your mind, right? That's what the Bible says. So the realness to Paul, Paul did not, that, that song, Reckless of Love, he would have been shouting glory. Paul didn't deserve the hand of God upon his life. He was killing Christians. He was persecuting the church. But yet, God gave him grace anyway. See, the reality of God's grace made Paul committed to Christ. Have you understood the goodness of the grace of God, church? He did not have to die, but he did anyway. Jesus could have said, you wouldn't worth it, and, and, and we all would have still been sacrificing goats and sheep to get, to get the, the approval of God. But yet, he said, he came anyway. He saw at the foot of the cross, our sins laid there. He didn't have to do all that, but he did because he loved us anyway. See, Paul experienced the grace of God. God didn't have to, Jesus didn't have to come to him. He could have said, you're too jacked up. You're too messed up. There's no way that I'm going, to, I'm going to change you. How many people in your community, how many people in your family, you said, they too far gone for Jesus to change? Some of y'all looking at your spouse. But anyway, that's the reality. But there's no one too far from the hand of God. And Paul, understanding the word of God, realized how much he missed it. And then to experience the grace of God in such a powerful way, was compelled to do the work of God no matter what. And in, the, in today's age, in the church age we have today, we put contingents upon our service to God. I will do this if you. Not I'll do this, God, no matter what. Because we want what's best for us. But see, what I love about Paul's conversion is what, what Jesus says he said, I'm, I'm gonna, you're going to go there? He told Ananias, you're going to go there, lay hands on him, and I'm going to tell him how much he will have to suffer for my name's sake. That's the problem in the church today. We think that we get saved and it's all goody, 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 glory, hallelujah, we're going to heaven. And there's, we're not going to have any struggles. We're not going to have any, any hardships. Nobody in my family is going to die without knowing Jesus. Nobody, nobody in my family is going to get cancer. Nobody, no, my, I'm always going to have my job. I'm always going to have enough money to pay the bills. All these things are going to be great. When these things don't happen, we start blaming God and we turn away from him. You know why? Because our minds haven't changed. We've got to put our minds on the prize, put our minds on Jesus and focus it on them. And until our minds aren't renewed, we'll, we'll keep stumbling over the same old things. I don't know how many people I've talked to on a monthly basis that want to quit, want to stop following Christ because, because they're, just, they're just weighted down with the life, with, with the world around them. And it's because they're looking at their situation from their own mindset. They're looking at their, looking at their situation from God. And I'm going to tell you right here, I'm, 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 I'm guilty myself. But I had a great friend tell me a while back, we need to be, we need to be pursuing God from victory, not for victory. Because he's already won, amen? He's defeated death. He's defeated hell. He's defeated those things. There's nothing under his power. So if I am a child of the king, whom shall I fear? Tell discouragement to sit down and shut up. Amen? Tell cancer to get behind me. We need to be bold men and women of God, but we won't until our minds change. See, Paul's whole mindset had changed. See, so many people get into difficulties, and they start wanting to leave God. You start following Christ, and then your marriage starts getting jacked up. Something starts happening in your marriage. Your spouse don't want to go to church or whatever. Look, you just focus on you, and you focus on God, and let God take care of the rest. Amen? But so many times we get focused on the problem, and we forget about the solution sitting right beside us. Difficulties make us want to quit. 
often we don't realize that when we make this new direction, that when, when life changes and we're following Jesus, everything should change, right? We should repent, turn away, and go in a new direction, not walk like we once walked, right? We should walk as Jesus walked. We should be different. But when you do that, it's hard because the old tendency is trying to draw you back. That's why you have to be a man or woman of prayer and praying that, that God would sever those ties so you wouldn't have that temptation. His word says that in every temptation, he gives us a way out, right? So we need to be in that new direction. We start changing our lives. We need to realize that it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. But God's given us enough faith, and he's there beside us, the Holy Spirit with us to help us through it. You know, when we change and we start following Jesus, the reality is this. All hell is going to come against you. You know why? Because you just changed teams. You went from being a child of the dark to being a child of the light. And Satan hates that and he hates you and he hates the church and he wants to do anything he can do to make you quit and go back. Why should we get upset when stuff happens? I do. I'm over there, why, God, why? Instead of realizing that it's Satan trying to discourage me. Junk's happening in my life and I'm, I'm, I'm getting all bad at God and God's not the one that did it. It was... Satan. See, when you change and you start following Jesus, there's going to be opposition. But that's a good thing. I had a wise old man tell me one day that when, you, when you're swimming in the flow of everyone else, it's easy because you're just drifting with the tide. But when you see something better on the bank... And you say, I'm going to that, going to that. And you turn around and you start swimming. You better have your mind made up because you might get yourself wore out before you get there. Because it's going to be hard. It's going to be tiresome. But you got to have in your heart the desire for what's on that bank more than just taking it easy. And we got a lot of take it easy Christians instead of a lot of Christians devoted to this, this, this sinking in, this being devoted to God no matter what it costs me, no matter what, what hardship I might be in, I'm going to walk with God and stop giving him excuses because we have a responsibility to continue, church. Men and women around us want to see, we're, we're vessels of God's glory, amen? So either we're giving God glory or we're disfaming the name of Jesus. So how can we sit here and say that I'm a child of God, but I'm walking in knowing sin? I'm, I'm walking in, in adultery. I'm walking in, in sexual sin. I'm, I'm walking in, I don't know, I'm a liar. I'm, I'm a cheat. I'm, I'm a thief. I'm walking in these things knowing I'm doing wrong, but claiming I'm a child of God. Those things don't add up, and it disfames the name of Jesus. And inside of me, often a righteous anger bells up, and when I see somebody doing that, I want to punch you in the mouth. And say, in Jesus' name. <laughs> because it's not defaming the church. I, got on, I, 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 I had some accountability with a buddy a while back, and I told him that what he was doing was wrong. He said, oh, you just worried about the name of the church. No, I don't care about the name of Connection Church. I care about the name of Jesus Christ. And if we of God's people are being vessels of disobedience, then we're giving glory to the wrong side. And my God is a jealous God. Amen. So the only way that we are intentional, the way that we don't allow the life to come in and swoop in and take us away, is that we have to ask God to continue to renew our minds. See, it's when we face opposition but trust in the Lord and come out on the other side. It's when we truly realize that only God brought me through that. Any of y'all ever been put in that kind of situation when it was... You know, it was third down, third quarter, fourth quarter, sorry, last, last play of the game. It, this is make it or break it. If you don't come through, done. Any of y'all ever been there? God, if you don't come through, my marriage is done. God, if you don't come through, the, the lights are getting cut off. God, if you don't come through, I'm going to die. It's clutch time. But you trusted God in the difficulty. You trusted God in the hardship. You trusted God through the doubt. You trusted God anyway. And when you come out on the other side and God healed you, God delivered your marriage, God cut your lights back on, you got praise in your heart because you've seen God do something that you didn't think he could do before. Amen? 
See, God wants a, pe- a lot of worshipers. God wants his people to be people who are hanging on to those things, realizing that he's faithful no matter what. The only way that happens is we have to allow him to change our mind. And that is where we find Paul. Paul in chapter 20, in chapter 20 of Acts has been used by God in a mighty way. He already knew how difficult it was going to be, but sometimes when you, you know it's going to be hard, you don't realize, God, was it going to supposed to be that hard? Going to supposed to be. You like my English? <laughs> Redneck dialect, yeah. <laughs> when it gets tough, we were like, God, is it supposed to be that hard? But see, I never heard Paul say that. Paul knew it was going to be difficult. Homeboy got beat. He got, he got beat up. He got, he got on shipwreck. He got bitten by snakes. People that, that he thought was his best friends turned on, turned on him. Fellow Jews were trying to kill him. I mean, he had any everything that could happen, happened. But yet he never complained. He just says, I put my eyes on the prize and I keep my eyes fixed on Christ. He just kept on going. I love that. Verse 22, Paul gets to a place where he has gone through Ephesus. He's went through Macedonia. He's went through Greece. And now he finds himself being led by the Holy Spirit to go to Jerusalem where he knows that he could be in jail and be be in prison. If God told you to go share the gospel with the man at the base station out front this afternoon, and he says, but he's got a gun. Would you do it? I mean, he didn't say he was going to get, he didn't say, I'm, you go, I'm going to save him. He didn't say that. You, you, you got to go share the gospel. No, no success, just being obedient. Would you go? See, that's what Paul, Paul would have went. He would have beat him and took the pistol from him and then told, shared the gospel with him. But that's the kind of man I envision Paul would be. But Paul was a man that was, Going wherever it meant the, the Spirit led him. He was extremely obedient. And that's what a child of God is. Someone that is obedient to him. So in verse 22, it says, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what I'm, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. He was compelled by the Spirit. What, what does it mean to be compelled by the Spirit? Have, have you ever been compelled by the Spirit? See, you can't be compelled by the Spirit and be full of sin, intentional sin. You can't be living the way you want to, be, want to live and not be plugged into the true vine of Jesus Christ and be compelled by the Spirit. Being compelled by the Spirit means that you are walking with God. But being compelled by the Spirit means the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, is leading you, is directing you. It's not a good idea. It's a God idea. Amen? So he's the God in your life to be compelled by the Spirit. It's when God tells you to do something, when you feel the prompting of, this, of, of God saying, go, do, Speak. You go and you do. You don't give him excuses. You just go and do. He was compelled by the Spirit. To go somewhere and do something that he did not know the outcome. See, we are driven by success. And I say we, I'm putting me right there with you. We're driven by success. If we think that we're going to do something and there's not going to be any success, then we decide we're just going to wait. Let somebody else go that way see what happens. Instead of being obedient to God. See, so what has God been calling you to do? What has God been calling you to? Not guaranteeing success. Ninety percent of my discouragement the last two years has been because the church hadn't grown to where I thought it should be. And I ain't gonna lie to you. For the past three weeks, God's been dealing with me. And a while back, he just he said, who told you it was going to be that, like that? Who told you that, that this was going to happen or that was going to happen? 
I told you to plant the church. You just plant the church and preach, and I'll take care of the rest. And I was like, yes, God, I'll shut up. But so many times we walk in discouragement because our ideas get in the way of God's. He called us to faithfulness, not to success. But we want success. See, he had already been through all, he'd already been told about these hardships. He'd been told that it was going to be tough. He's been told all this stuff, but instead of being scared and stopping and not continuing, he kept pressing on. Why? Because of the encounter with God and experiencing his grace. You will quit every time when life gets hard. You, it, 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 just, it just drives me crazy how many Christians stop reading their Bible because life gets busy. The very thing that God's blessed us with, the most, the most valuable thing, we have turned into an idol to please ourselves instead of pursuing God. No amen on that one. But y'all need to write that on the refrigerator. Because I got it on mine. See, he was doing, he was going, he was compelled, he was going anyway because he was living for God and allowing God to lead him. Church, I want to ask you a question. Are you allowing God to lead your life? Or is your life leading you? Are you driven by your schedule? Are you driven by your kids' acceptance? Are you driven by your hobbies? Are you driven by, by expectations of others? Are you driven by money? Are you driven by the one and true God? If God told you to leave your job right now and go to Zimbabwe, would you do it? If he told you to sell your house right now and move down into the projects, move into an apartment in Millen to be, the, be a lighthouse to the people around you, would you do it? Would you, would you be that obedient to God? If God told you to sell everything and live under the bridge, would you do it? But we, we let all these things hold us. See, he was compelled by the Spirit. I, I want you to understand something. When you're compelled by the Spirit to do something, the struggle don't matter. Y'all with me? The struggle don't matter. When you're led by the Spirit of God, the struggle don't matter. The, the hardship don't matter. It might be difficult. Our feelings might get in the way. Our emotions might get the best of us. But it don't matter because God's greater. And when we, that's what Paul, Paul endured all this stuff because he valued God more than anything. He valued him more than anything in the world. And as I look at that, I'm like, how in the world do you do that? How do you go in a town and get beat up until everybody thought you're dead? And they get up and they beat Paul until he got beat to a pulp. And then they got done and they walked in and thought he was dead. And Paul, all he did was knock him out. Oh, Paul was tough. He got up, cleaned his face off, brushed himself off, and went right back in there. You don't do stuff like that unless you're being compelled and led by the Spirit of God, and God is the control of your life. But it don't matter. It's a mindset. Church, say it's a mindset. Come on, y'all can do better. It's a mindset. Say, God changed my mind. Amen. That's what we got to have. God's got to change our mind because what happens is when it gets hard, we quit. When it gets tough, we want to stop. And we've got to train our minds to stop being quitters and be people who have holy grit and dig in and say, I'm not going to stop until God tells me to. I'm not going to quit until God tells me to. I'm in a hard place right now, but I'm not going to stop until God tells me to. We've got to be those people, church. Because his glory is at stake. And Paul, driven by that. I love the next verse. He says, verse 23, he says, I, no, I'm sorry, verse 24. He says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. He says his life, he valued none. Now, we start talking like that. People want to put us in a mental ward. But he, what he was trying to say was not that he didn't want his life, not that he didn't appreciate his life, not that he didn't want to live. 
He just says, in surpassing to God's call and God's purpose for my life, what I want for my life to look like does not matter as much as what his purpose for my life matters. It's a mindset. He considered his life worth nothing. See, the only way that happens is we have to understand who we are in Christ. See, you, you are not just an accessory to his kingdom. You are a vessel of his kingdom, church. When the Holy Spirit is inside of you and you are put, when he puts the Holy Spirit inside of you, you are now a child of God. It's time for us to act like one. It's time for us to obey God like that. Some tough stuff this morning. Y'all just ain't no amens. We're getting quiet today. I'll amen myself. I'll keep on being quiet. But see, he understood. He understood who he was in Christ. He understood that he was a child of the king. He understood that there was nothing he could do to make it to heaven. There's nothing he could do to make himself good enough to get to heaven. He understood what Jesus did on the cross so that because he followed Jesus, because he committed his life to Jesus, then his acceptance to God and his entry to heaven was complete because of the work Jesus did on the cross. Nothing he did, nothing he, he deserved, he understood who he was. He understood that nothing he could do, nothing in him was good. He understood that only Christ is the one who has saved him, that has sustained him, and that has kept him going forward. The problem we have in America today is we believe it's on our own self-sufficiency that we make it. But it's only by the grace of God. And if God took his hand off America right now, Some days I wish he would, because then we would be more dependent upon God. But we're so self-reliant. See, he took no pride in who he was here. No pride in who he was here. He says, I, my life here means nothing. No pride in who he was here. See, a lot of times we take pride in what we are here. I'm a, I'm a land surveyor. I'm a, I'm a pastor. I'm a teacher. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, a principal. I'm, I'm a CEO. I'm this, I'm that. We, we take pride in who, what we are instead of realizing that God gave you those positions to promote his glory, not to be who you cling on to, not that be who you are, who you identify with. Because what happens is what we identify with on this earth, if I'm a mom, that's, that's my label, and if something happens to my kids, then I have lost what I have identified my whole life to be about. Instead of being about Jesus. If, if, if I'm, a, if I'm, if I'm a, a teacher and I lose my job, then the, the one thing that I have based my whole life around is now gone. Now I'm empty and I'm faithless. I don't know what's going on. We take more pride in who we are here. We take more pride in our homes, in our houses, in our lands, in our bank accounts than we take pride in who we are in Jesus. Because if all those things are ripped away, will we still see, be singing glory to God? And God's word says that he resists the proud, but he promotes the humble. He wants us to be humble in his sight, not proud of what we have. Because everything we have, he's given us. Our health, our wealth, everything, our families, everything he's given us. So we allow the things that God's given us, the blessings of God, to be idols in our life that keeps us from doing the work of God. But Paul realized that he, had, he took no pride in who he was here. He realized that he was just here being an object of God's mercy and God's grace to other people. So wherever he was, Paul says, I become all things to all people so that I may win some. Amen? The reason he had that mindset because he said, I will be wherever God wants me to be. If he wants me to be a janitor making $5 an hour living under the bridge, I'll do that to the glory of God. If he wants me to be a CEO making $200,000 a year, being able to share the gospel with the whole community and the whole, camp, a whole company, I'll do that to the glory of God. He's, what he was trying, what Paul's whole life and whole, Paul's whole ministry was trying to show people what it means to be totally dependent and totally led by the Spirit of God. But we allow life and we allow the blessings to hinder us. See, the problem for so many of us is we're trying to prove ourselves. We're trying to prove ourselves to people that don't care. We're trying to prove ourselves that we can make it. We're trying to prove ourselves that we can have this. We're trying to prove ourselves 
prove to other people that, that we're going to be better than our parents or we're going to be better than, than the neighbor. We, we're trying to prove ourselves to people that don't care. Because guess what? As soon as you get that new truck, they're going to buy another one. As soon as you get that house, it's not going to be good enough. As soon as you get that promotion, the money is never enough. It's empty wells. We're putting our hope and faith in empty wells that, that keep leaving us thirsty for more. And until we surrender those things to God, that's what Paul knew. That's what Paul knew. We value our... Do our question that you need to ask yourself is, do I value my life more than I value Christ? And it's easy to say, no, I value Jesus more. But look at your priorities. Look at your life. Look, at, look you know your heart. Well, what does it say? How can you honor God more? How can you be compelled by the Spirit and be led by the Spirit more than you are right now? See, we seek after our own agenda, church. Instead of being faithful to, to doing and being who God's allowed me to be, who God's called me to be in this world. We, we, we make excuses of saying, I can't, I, I can't share the gospel because I don't know the Bible. Well, read your Bible. So you'll know the Word of God so you can be the vessel. I, I, can't, I can't pray over anybody because I'm scared to pray. Well, praying gets better the more you pray. So pray more. Take those, take those leaps. I remember one day, one of the, it was one of the craziest things. I had somebody call me and, 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 and say, Brother Jeremy, so-and-so's sick, and they need you to pray over them. You can do it. You, you can pray like I can pray. I ain't, no, but God, I feel like God wants you to come pray. Well, God ain't told me to pray. I was intimidated. Going to a bunch of people who didn't know me. I get out the truck, and God made it anymore. He said, get the oil. I'm like, God, these people ain't going to accept this oil. They're going to think I'm crazy. Oh, he done turned into one of them Pentecostals. You know, he's crazy. He can bring in the oil. I get the oil, and I get out the truck, and I go in there. And when I get in the thing, I'm nervous as I'll get out. I prayed the, I mean, I, it was the most simplest prayer ever. And it lasted about 30 seconds. Some of y'all don't even believe that, but that's what it was. And I laid oil on that fella, and I prayed. And as I laid oil on him and prayed, guess what? I didn't feel nothing. I walked out, and I felt defeated. I felt like Satan was saying, that was useless. They think you're an idiot. I said, well, and I got in the truck, and I had, it was so in my head. I said, Satan, shut up. I don't care what you think. I was obedient to God, and what happens, happens. Three days later, the man home come home from the hospital. Doctors don't know what happened. Doctors just know that he's changed. Amen. It's not success. It's obedience he wants. And, and, and people look at the preacher and it's like, well, that's what you're supposed to do. No, that's what God's called you to do. That's what God's called you to do and you to do. It's not just one person. It's all of us. It's the body being led by the Spirit, being used by God. That's where the power comes from. That's when, that's when re revival starts. It's when you take on the responsibility of being the child of God he's called you to be. Not being, not being just okay with being just a Sunday morning church goer. No, I want to be full of the Spirit. I want to be led by Jesus. I want to be led by Him. Paul is our example, and he follows the example of Christ. See, some of us are so, are so jacked up that, that we're faking our faithfulness. We, we come to church and, and we put this, 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 I don't know, we put this persona on. We get up and we put our disguise on. That's our church clothes. We put them on every Sunday. We come to church and we, 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 we act like everything's okay. We, we sing. We might even raise our hand a little bit. We might, we might have a little tear, but yet when we leave here, there's no definite change and passion to serve God. And so we're just, we're just here just faking faithfulness. Like, oh yeah, I've been reading my Bible. You might go to Connect Group every week, but there's no change in your life. I, I shouldn't be just going to Connect Group for three years and haven't grown none. Don't ask me to pray. You better hush. Come on. Better get up and pray. That's how you're gonna grow. Don't, don't ask me to read the Bible. Come on, we got to we got to be like God. I want you to grow me and use me anyway, anyway. But we don't do that. See, this morning I was coming in here and I, I, I finally figured out how to run that electric mop they got here. Man, that thing's amazing. And I filled it up with some Lysol and I started pushing that thing this morning. I was right here in the hall. You can see it. I was pushing it and and. 
and some, ooh, some nasty, nasty water come out of it. And I was trying to figure out what in the world, make sure it wasn't getting on my clothes. But I was still letting it spin. And it spanned for about 30 seconds. It kept spinning, spinning, and then I moved it. And it was so white. And I was like, whoa, this floor's dirty. But I've done swept it. I mean, it looked clean. See, a lot of us are just like this floor. Surface level, we look clean. Surface level, we look okay. But if you dig down deep, we jacked up. But we ain't willing to we ain't willing to, to back up and be transparent before God because we got our church clothes on and we're supposed to be good little boys and girls. God don't want you fake. He wants you real and transparent. And if you can't be transparent with God, then you're in a hopeless place because he knows all your junk before you know it. I remember Sabrina was reading a book this past weekend. It was a quote that really, that really jumped out at me. And I'm going to steal it because she was going to use it one day. But I'm going to steal it now. It says, God won't bless who you're pretending to be. He will only bless and give you increase to who you really are. So you want to know why God's not blessing your life? Because you're pretending to be somebody you're not. He's not going to bless your walk if you're not walking. He's not going to bless your time with Him if you're not spending time with Him. We want to say, oh, I'm, I'm praying, I'm praying to God, but He's not answering. We're going and making a checklist because anytime I've ever came to God earnestly seeking God, He's answered. He's come through. Might not have been on my time, but He came through. But when I came at Him and just throw them the little Hail Mary prayers, just like, oh, God, please, oh, God, please, not really in my heart wanting it, just kind of throwing it up for a checklist to say I prayed for somebody, to say that I did this, but then nothing happened. But when I truly got down on my knees and begged God and pleaded the blood of Christ over somebody's life, things happen because of intentionality and desire and passion. Why? Because I'm, I'm being led by the Spirit. Why? Because I've seen what God's done in my life. Church, go back to where, you, where God brought you out of. How can you go back to being that same filthy person you once were? It's just like my little boy. He's drawn to mud. I can bathe him and put him outside. He's going to come back totally dirty. We are drawn to the filth of this world, church, unless our minds are renewed and we start pursuing the other things. And nothing changes my little boy's mind better than a good old butt whooping. And some of us need to be chastised. Or maybe you're even being chastised by the Spirit right now, realizing how far you've fallen, realizing how lackadaisical your life has been, realizing how you hadn't valued the cross, you hadn't valued Jesus, and your life and your priorities show it. Maybe today is the day that we really let John 15, 5 happen when we allow the, the gardener, the vine dresser to trim the vine. Maybe you let him trim you today. Say, it's a mindset, church. Say, God changed my mind. It's a mindset. We're going to close on this one. So my brother don't play piano all day. Verse 24 says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. I'm going to read it again. My aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given the task of testifying the good news of Jesus. See, Paul didn't only know who he was, but he knew his purpose. See, you, if you understand who you are in Jesus and your purpose in Jesus, Satan can't stop you. But the reason so many of us are running around like a dog chasing his tail is because we don't know our purpose. We're searching, we're searching for purpose in people, in partners, in, in pleasures. We're not seeking for our purpose in Christ. And that's what he said. Paul said, I know my purpose. His whole mindset was focused on one thing, church, and that was to finish the race and finish it well. See, to finish the race, you got to run with your eyes fixed on something. And so many of us aren't, aren't going to finish the race because we're too preoccupied with what our neighbors are doing. He didn't say, look at, look at Sue, look at Sam. He said, look at me. And if we keep our eyes on him, Sue and Sam will see how you're running, and they'll pick up the pace. God's called us to be people who are walking after Him. 
See, that race is the moment you get saved. The moment you get saved, that race is, is the moment of salvation to glory. The moment of salvation to heaven. Running with God, walking with God, allowing Him to change you every single day. And sometimes when you're racing, it's going to get tough. If you're not used to running, you're going to get a cramp every now and again. You might need to sit down. But the thing is, you didn't get out of the race. You didn't stop. And some of you had just stopped. And it's time to get up. This morning, it's time to get up. Put your running shoes back on and get back in the race. Because Paul said he understood that the prize was so much more worthy than where he was right now. Man, we sung that song a while ago. Could you imagine being in the presence of Jesus with, with, with 10 million angels and all the saints that went before us? You're sitting there at the feet of the Savior that, that gave us life for you, singing glory, glory, glory. Could you imagine that? That's what I'm running to, church. I'm not running to your acceptance. I'm not running to, to anything else. I'm running to Christ. And when I run to Christ, everything else works out. But see, we run to what we want. I'm going to run until my family gets right. My family gets right, I stop running. I'm going to run until, until I get to my money gets right. God gives us our finances, we quit running. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to run. I'm going to run God until, until, until this one gets saved. And that one gets saved, we kind of just quit running. It's a race to the end. Not stop and start. So are you in, are you going, how are you going to finish the race? I'm asking you right now, how are you going to finish the race? Some of you need to ask yourself right now, have I even started the race? And give me the, let, me, let, me, let me tell you a little secret. Let me get up here if you can hear me. Y'all hear me up here? A little bit louder. Sunday morning is not the entryway to the race. Sunday morning is just when you're spectator to everybody else that's in the race. But it's when you choose to refuse who you are and to put on the cry, put on the clothes and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. When you choose to, to say, you know what, I don't want me, I want you more than anything else. And you reject this old life and you press on to the prize, you press on to being more like God, being more like Christ, that's when the race begins. When you see he's better than you, when you see he, his, his purpose for your life is better, that's when you start the race. And a lot of people think they race them, but they're just sitting on the sidelines. And they're going to wake up in hell holding the Bible because they never value Jesus more than their own life. And Paul, if Jesus hadn't came to him, he would have been just like that, thinking he was right the whole time, holding the scroll and memorizing Scripture, but not having Jesus in his heart. And that's what he wants for you this morning. That's what he wants for all of us this morning. So how are you going to join the race? Are you going to join this church in accomplishing the purpose of it? This church wants you to grow in Christ-likeness. I want you to be mature. I want you to grow more and more into the likeness of Jesus. That's, 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 that's all I want. That's all Jesus requires. Everything else will work itself out. I don't want you to be a connect group leader. You'll be a connect group leader if God calls you to be. I don't want you to be a pastor. God, God will call you to do that. But God's called us all to take our next steps and be intentional with going and doing and being who he's called us to be. So are you growing? Can you be transparent and honest today and say, you know what, life's been really hard. And I've made a lot of stupid mistakes. And I've wanted to quit. But now I'm going to realize, today I'm going to come to you, God, and I want to, I want to recommit. I want to give my life. I want, to, I want to really just surrender all my mistakes to you and, and put away this condemnation and pick up your confidence and walk home with you with that today. Some of you really need to come and say, God, I've jacked, I've messed up. I've fallen away. I'm walking in sin. Because I value what I want more than what you want for my life. Paul says he took the task of testifying for the goodness, good news of God's grace. So what does that look like in your life? Can you testify? Is your life a testimony of God's good news and his grace? What can you do to change it if not? See, church, what has God delivered you from? That his intent was to use that hardship to be a place where you can promote his name. What difficulty has he placed in your life that if you just stay fast and stay faithful, 
that right now we feel like we're right here and we can't get up. We're down here being beat down by life. But God's saying, if you'll just stay faithful, you'll just stay diligent, I'll put you up here so you can shout my praise and you can shout my glory because of this hard place you're in. But he's calling us to be faithful. And it all starts with our mindset. So I pray that this morning you would allow God to change your mind, that you would allow Jesus to change your heart, that you would move to repentance and you would move to being real and walk in the relationship that he desires for your life. Let's be transparent. Let's let God do the work, let that cleaner deal on the floor. Let's dig down and get the deep junk out so we truly will be clean like he intended. He's already done the work, church. All you got to do is accept it, acknowledge it, and love him more than yourself. And that's what his altar's for. If you need prayer, I'm here. Maybe today you realize that you don't really know Jesus at all. You've never truly surrendered your life to him. You've never, ever given him your life. You've never given him the keys and say, here, drive. If that's you this morning, you don't know Jesus personally as your Lord and Savior. He's your ride or die partner. He, he's everything in your life, not just an accessory. If you want to surrender your life to him, raise your hand so we can pray with you. We want to, we want to pray with you. We want to be excited for what God's doing. So with no hands raised, that means all of us are followers of Christ. Then let's do business and let's be real. Amen. We'll stand with me. Father God, we come to you right now, begging you and asking you to change our minds. Begging you and asking you, God, to remove strongholds. God, begging you, Lord, take away years and decades of thinking that has been wrong. God, take away ways of thinking that my agenda matters. God, reveal to us areas in our life that we've been holding on as idols, Lord. God, if we've been holding our time, if this is my time instead of this is your time, God, we beg you today to change us. God, we beg you today to come upon us. Holy Spirit, fall fresh on us. God, I pray for the hardest heart in here. Lord God, please, I beg you, disturb the ground so that it may receive the word. God, move in us today. God, we beg you to change us. God, change the focus of our life. Help us, Lord, be focused on you like Paul. His whole mind was set on the race, on finishing and seeing your face. And he knew that the only way he was going to do that, he had to feel his purpose and be obedient. God, I pray, Lord, that you would be, be moving in people's hearts. They would be compelled by your spirit today. So, Father, we ask you, we beg you, we ask you, Lord, to move. In Jesus' name we pray.